Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. I'm Caleb Simmons. And I'm Joshua Simmons. We are two brothers who love fly fishing, our families, and our men of faith. But like most of you listening, we're still not experts on any of those subjects. So our hope is to speak with as many people that we believe are experts on these subjects and pose the questions that most of us are asking. So thanks for joining us along the journey as we seek to inspire and encourage dads and anglers as we wade through fishing, fatherhood, and faith on the fly. Coming up on today's episode. Fly fishing, at least for me and and you guys will probably resonate, it's a different kind of experience because you're so connected into what's happening. If you're waiting, like you're in the stream, you feel the cool water, like you can feel it pushing against you, you're casting a fly rod. Um, You've got usually this, we say trout live in beautiful places, right? So you have you're just in these majestic settings and you're so connected into what's happening. Um, it just, I think it transports people to a different place. If you want to put the theological spin on it, Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God, like creation or nature speaks like it has an impact on us. And there's, and you can dig into science. Like they're talking about positive ions that come out of rushing water and other like, so it's like, I just say like, yeah, it works when you get people in those environments. Um, something different happens. Like you have access to different parts of people's lives. They have different. They have access to different parts of their life. That was Mr. Eric Canfield of Alter Fly Fishing coming up on today's episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. I'm Caleb, as always, joined by my brother Joshua. Joshua, what's going on, man? Hey man, doing great. Just want to give a couple shout outs before we intro this episode. First shout out is to all the guys uh, and girls that came down to Orvis Greenville on Saturday. Um, we got to give a big shout out right at the beginning to a little kid named Monty. <laughs> all right, tell, so me, about, tell Monty, me about Monty. Monty was tying a fly in there with his dad, Joshua, or Josh, happens to have a great name, you know. And uh, they were tying a fly with Matthew, and Monty went today on a guided trip and caught a sweet fish on that fly. That's awesome. I've got man. a picture. So they cool. sent me a picture of it. So a uh, big shout out to our man Monty for uh knocking out some cool fish today. And yeah, way to go, Monty. That's really cool. Big, thanks big to everyone to who came. Yeah, thanks to everybody who came and hung out. It was a cool day. Um exciting day at Greenville Orvis. Yeah, so I was bummed you, I missed it. But you got to go fishing today. I did. Yeah. I got, well it was it was a brief trip. We uh, talk about that all the time about yeah. keeping expectations realistic and uh Kids went out with me, uh, me, uh, both Rita and James. And Sally went with us. We okay. took Sally's big lawn chair and a book to read. And the boys and I, they splashed in the water a little bit and mm-hmm. got a little too cold, probably too quick. But uh, they did catch, uh, they both, um, well, James ended up reeling in and Reed helped net two fish. And they had a good time. Took them out on the uh, the new Euro rod we got, the there new you go, man. Like it. And, uh, Reed did a pretty good job casting it. Okay. I was I was quite impressed. Um, he gives you a run for your money, and like <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we had a good time. It Sweet. was good. It was really good. Weather was perfect for a beautiful day in March, and uh, they had just stocked it up there this week. So kids got to go get on some fish. We had a good time. 
I had to really work on managing expectations for after the trip, yeah. but, uh, or towards the end of the trip, because uh, it was it was a lot shorter than probably I hoped it would be. I understand, but it was still a really good time, and the boys had fun. We all had fun, and um, you know we sat around at the end of the night tonight, talked about our favorite part of the day, and that was both our favorite part of the day was going fishing with there dad. So that's so always success, a win. man. Yeah. Um, just want to give a couple other big shout outs. Thanks to uh, our guys Brad and Brian. They uh, sent us each one of these hats that I'm wearing tonight. Oh, so yeah, if you're on sweet. YouTube, I'm wearing this uh, Storied Outdoors hat. So appreciate it, guys. Uh, they had a great episode this past week with uh, Matt Lewis um, on the Red Eye Bass. And then I got in this discussion with our buddy Scotty this, that came to Greenville. And now I'm kind of in the search of Red Eye Bass. So we're gonna, trying to plan that Red Eye Bass trip. But uh, super you, cool. You, you planning a trip? I just Well, me and so Scotty. Scotty kind of was all over it. He was kind of <laughs> wanting to plan it with me. So it was kind of cool. But um yeah, man, a couple things we want to just talk about before we get this episode going. Uh, number one, we're two weeks away uh, this week. We'll be two weeks away from our live show at uh, Maggie Valley Fly Shop, March 16th, 6 o'clock, uh, Frog Level Brewery. We'll have some Frog Level Brewery beers there and some uh, coffee and some snacks and just come hang out, uh, meet us, meet Shannon and the gang at Maggie Valley Fly Shop. And then around 6.45, we're going to fire up the microphones and interview Jerry and hear all about Frog's Fanny uh, floating and also just man he's fished all over the all over the country all over the world so just to hear from jerry and how he um has done his thing is going to be cool in person i'm excited about that yeah man i love it i can't wait for the the live night i think it's gonna be a really good time so really looking forward to it what else we got we got uh march 24th we're gonna be at highland brewery uh f3t film festival it's gonna be a super fun night man that's gonna be just really cool we've already talked to some people about gonna be there so excited to see some films uh some that we've actually made some i've actually made a friend with a guy who's got some films in it so excited to see those excited to see all the films it's gonna be a sweet raffle package um come out hang out it's a good time it's a fun night uh highland Bre- at highland brewery seven o'clock i think i think the doors open at six and the uh, movie start at seven so yeah. that's awesome good stuff man keeping the events coming that's so. about all we got for the rest of march that's awesome other than some fishing maybe if we can squeeze some it's gonna get cold again this weekend but yeah you know, i was looking at that and i'm not really excited about it <laughs> i but, know uh, i was hoping to float next weekend yeah but. i'm it's it's i've got the small mouth itch so i'm ready yeah. to go we'll be long. make that happen for um, sure. i've been uh i've been sitting behind the vice a lot lately okay trying to get ready for that so tying up a bunch of bugs and um I, I'm getting real weird about my fly boxes and trying okay. to organize them all the right wow. way. And so, yeah, we'll hopefully a, we'll have to have a fly box organizing episode. Yeah, we could totally do that. An or, so. organization <laughs> of fly fishing episode. Yeah, it's probably, we're probably not the guys to teach. Probably that. not. That's what it would be though. It'd be us. Um, so just real quick. Also guys, just want to say thanks. We got a great review this week on Apple podcast. Uh, keep, keep those reviews and ratings poured in for us. It really helps out our show. Also, um, the Patreon is still there. We're I'm working really hard on trying to get some bonus content from some of the YouTube clips, some of the behind the scenes screw ups that might be kind of entertaining. Uh, I'm trying to work on that this week. So keep keep those coming, man. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for checking us out on Instagram or wherever you check us out. And uh, just keep leaving that positive feedback. Tag us in your kids' pictures. We've had some spring kids' pictures coming yeah, that's out. Been great. Um, tag us in those. We'll repost them. So. Um, that's what it's all about, man. But tonight we have, or today, we have a, a friend that we got to meet in Virginia. And tell everybody who our, well, who our guest is today, Caleb. Yeah, so on today's episode, uh, if you're listening on the audio, you heard this already, but it's Mr. Eric Camfield of Alter Fly Fishing. Now, Alter is an amazing uh, nonprofit organization. Uh, they do a lot of fishing retreats, yep. and they do a lot of great um, things for... for the, they have a really 
special place in my heart for what they do. They have a really heart for pastors, yeah. and uh, so they provide a lot of uh, fly fishing retreats for pastors, get people connected to the water, and also uh, more connected to just themselves. And uh, you hear a lot about that in Eric. Talk, Eric talks a lot about what they do through Alter, and Eric's just a cool guy in general. Uh, he's got a really yeah. neat story that we're going to get into uh, from being a professional baseball player to finding fly fishing to being involved in ministry. And so I think that people are really going to enjoy this conversation. Yeah, he gives some great dad tips in the episode, too, and so uh, he's got two um, – Two kids that are really rocking it and doing their thing, and he, he's been a great dad to them. So it was a cool episode to talk to Eric. Uh, not not as much really about his fishing as much as about what he's done in his life and um, and what Alter is all about. So really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, can't wait for some big episodes coming up in April. Uh, but this is going to be a great one. We appreciate you guys as always. And um, Caleb, anything else? Let's dive That's into it. this episode. Let's dive into a conversation with Mr. Eric Canfield of Alter Fly Fishing. <laughs> Dads on the Fly is brought to you by Maggie Valley Fly Shop. Maggie Valley Fly Shop is your go-to stop in Western North Carolina for all your fly fishing needs. Whether you're looking to book a guided trip or you're wanting to go catch some gear that you may need before you hit the stream, hop into Maggie Valley Fly Shop, grab a cup of coffee, get all the gear you need, and go enjoy a great day on the water in Western North Carolina. You can also check them out online at maggievalleyflyshop.com. Dads on the Fly is also brought to you by Trout Routes. Joshua, when we are looking for new places to go catch trout, I can think of no better resource to use than the Trout Routes app. It has been an awesome thing to help us find more trout to catch. Yeah, man, whether exploring new water or just being a new angler at all, Trout Routes now includes all of the lower 48 states on their amazing app that can be found anywhere you get your apps. So make sure and download Trout Routes today for all your fly fishing adventures. Well, hey, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We are really excited tonight to interview and have a discussion with Mr. Eric Camfield of Alter Fly Fishing. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. Eric, man, we appreciate you taking some time for us. We got the wonderful opportunity to meet you in person. Uh, this is one of the rare guests we've actually met in person before we had on the show. We usually, yeah, do, we usually do that backwards. Usually opposite. And I still right. made the cut, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> Well, well we, I was thinking we still made the cut. Like, you still wanted to be on the show. So Eric so. made us in person and still wanted to come talk to us on the show. So that's a... I, I think it's because of your wives and kids and all that. That's thing. what yeah, it was. That's so. why... Yeah. Listen, we should just bring them with us all the time because they definitely yep. would probably get us way more guests. We just, you know, have them make the phone calls and invite people to be on the show. For sure. So Eric's been uh, busy promoting um, out kind of at a bunch of shows, living the show life this uh, winter, which is where we uh, met him in person in Virginia. And uh, Eric is um, the founder, is that correct? Yep. Of Alter Fly Fishing. So uh, we're going to talk more about Alter Fly Fishing throughout the episode, of course. It's one thing we really were excited about um, learning about and have our listeners learn about. But first of all, Eric, man, you've got a kind of a cool past. And how did a fly rod enter into that story? Yeah, that's a great question. I um <clears throat> I grew up fishing with my grandfather. We were fishing buddies, and it wasn't fly fishing. It was bobber fishing with wax worms and red worms, mostly for panfish and bass or whatever else would bite the hook. And so, I mean, I was doing that at age three, four, five. My grandfather would wake me up early on a Saturday morning, and he'd say, get up, hoss. We're going, we're going fishing. And so I had a flannel shirt and this straw hat with an alligator that was on top. That was my fishing hat. And so, you know, this was way before cell phone days. So we would leave at dawn and not come back till dark. And this is in Ohio. So that's like 9, 9.30. 
my mom was worried, like, what are you doing with my little boy? And, you know, and oftentimes I would just spend the night with my grandma and grandpa after we fish. Cause then we had to clean the fish. We had to fry some up and eat it late at night. And, uh, I just would say, mom, we were fishing. And so I wasn't a squirrely kid. Like I was watching that bobber and fishing hard for 14, 15 hours, even as a little guy, but I, uh, <clears throat> Uh, baseball, athletics, but baseball is a big theme of my life. And I had the opportunity to play collegiately and then professionally. But when I was in college, I traded in a gold chain that I wore for at the pawn shop. We were always hanging out at this pawn shop, a gold <laughs> chain for a fly rod that they had on the wall, on the wall. And so I remember the first cast at, I don't make 20 years old, 21, something like that. Um, in the first cast, I was like, oh, I love this, you know, and we were, you know, we went to lakes and stuff all around where our college was in Southeast Ohio and uh, catching fish. And so I was hooked from that point on. And then, so probably for the last 30 plus years, it's been a love and passion of my life and the pendulum swung. I did a lot of bass fishing, a little competitive bass fishing, but I married into a fly fishing family and it's been fly fishing um really ever since heavily for the last 20 25 years all right my first follow-up has got to be did uh now that you know what you know about fly fishing did the pawn shop do you right by your by your necklace there did you come out on top with that trade uh good question when it's your first fly rod you don't really know any different <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately that first rod has now led to many many a few, few more right? yeah, a few yeah. more but, yeah. uh, i told my wife she or she asked me she goes how many rods do you need and i said just one more and she goes you said that, you said that last time and yeah. i said yep <laughs> i think people don't know um you know my uh my wife you know likes likes different things like purses seem to be something we have more than one of and i just yeah. kind of use that same comparison there, she's you know? buying purses for the same place price as you're buying fly rods then you both <laughs> well well i hope hope not we, we, maybe she doesn't tell me what the purse costs and i don't tell what the fly rods cost. There you go. that's why you stay married there you go that's good well uh eric so you got into fly fishing there or back into kind of fly fishing in college like you said um but i know after college you also spent some time uh doing some professional baseball um and then where did where did it kind of transition out of baseball into what was next well one i got married and so um, i was in the yankees organization and this was in the mid 90s during their dynasty run and a guy named bernie williams played the same position as i did center field um which means you never saw me on tv right so part <laughs> yeah. of it is you know it's the right place at the right time and yeah. but we had so many great players right so we were just stockpiled because Mr. Steinbrenner back in those days when he was, I mean, he bought superstars, yeah. right? And so it was, you know, so I rolled the dice. I took, I went out on the trade market. I didn't get re-signed by another team. And I look back and say, man, I wish I would have kept my mouth shut. But, you know, I'm 24 and you really need to be in the big leagues by 26. So I felt like I was going to take a risk. But so I get released, take my release. I don't get re-signed and I'm getting married that fall. And so come July, August, I'm like, oh no, I might have to actually get a real job because <laughs> I've got to, I'm going to get married and I've got to support a family. And so, uh, so I, uh, ended up working through some, uh, family relationships on my wife's side. You know, it's funny, like I'm interviewing with all of these great companies, us steel PNC bank, you know, and they're like, 
you know, I double majored in accounting and pre-law, but I don't know if I learned a thing. I was playing baseball and like I, I graduated with honors, but like I honestly can't remember anything that I learned. And so I'm like, I said, hey, I know I'm a leader. I work hard. I think I'm pretty good with people, you know, and I win. Right. <laughs> so can you give me a management job? And they were like, uh, yeah, no, you've got no experience and you've been playing baseball and you don't want to be an accountant. So we're not sure what to do with you. So uh, so after I finally landed a job, it was with AT&T. My wife is from the Pittsburgh area and uh, and she had a job. She was two years younger than me. So she while I was playing baseball, she was finishing school. And, and so she landed um a job uh, with a great PR firm in Pittsburgh. And so I'm like, well, great. One of us has got to work. And so I actually didn't have a job until a month after we were married, but I signed on with AT&T and her business to business market. I worked with some of the global accounts and um, what's interesting because I was interviewing with all of these companies and said, I basically have nothing, no experience to offer you, but I'll work hard. Um, but then with AT&T, the, the big boss of that market, his son was a 15-year-old baseball phenom. And so my 45-minute interview consisted of me giving dad a couple baseball drills that we did with the Yankees <laughs> that he could do with his son. And three days later, I was working. You you know? <laughs> so I learned something about sales and meeting people where they're at um, that moment. So, um, yeah, so I did that for three years. Um, and then uh, while I was playing professional baseball, an organization called Athletes in Action, which is part of Crew, mm-hmm. uh, which is back then was Campus Crusade for Christ. Oh, yeah. We had Campus Crusade for Christ. Yeah, Bring back yeah. the memories. Yeah. And so um, those guys were my chaplains while I was playing pro ball. And, and uh, AIA did a lot of chaplaincy work with the Major League Baseball. And so it just kept coming back in my mind. AIA, AIA, I love those guys. I always thought someday I would love to be involved with this ministry, but someday meant, you know, retiring from MLB Hall of Fame. That's God's business. I wanted to stay humble. And uh, and so my wife comes home from work. Again, we're married three years. We're living in Pittsburgh, just starting our life. And uh, we kind of have these two great careers. We're making more money than our parents did. And I said, Sue, this is crazy, but I think God's calling us on staff with AIA. She goes, that's so weird. I was going to tell you the same thing when I got home. Hmm. And so like the hair stands up on the neck. We make a few phone calls. Their two biggest needs in the ministry was in the baseball ministry. It was the fastest growing sports teams ministry, sending teams all over the world. And in their PR and marketing department, which was my wife's degree, she was working at a PR firm. They were like, who are you again? And I said, we're the next people coming on staff and uh, hung up the phone and we transitioned out of the career, started raising support. And that shifted our trajectory into vocational ministry, starting with athletes in action, missions and all of that. Uh, and then later um, into um, the church side of ministry, where I spent 20 years or so pastoring churches in Ohio and, and Chicago, where we're at now. So that's that's really cool, and uh, it's such a great story, and uh, thank you for sharing it and being transparent with it. Um, so you you started mm-hmm. in ministry, you became a pastor and working in church ministry, pastoring churches, as you said, all in Ohio and Chicago, and then you found yourself with Alter. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the Alter fly fishing story. Um, first yeah. of all, if you will, mm-hmm. tell us what exactly, in your own words, what is Alter fly fishing? And then where did the story or how did it get its start? 
Yeah, so we're, we're a little unusual. People don't know quite what to do with us in the fly fishing world, although we've grown so many great relationships. We're part of the industry. Um, we host um, fishing trips slash retreats all over the country. Um, we do retreats for men, women. I have a heart for leaders, so we're doing more with marketplace leaders. Um, a lot of work with pastors, especially pastors in burnout or just needing some self-care, soul care. Um, and somehow we got into this niche doing resilience training with active duty Navy SEALs and and personnel from Navy Special Warfare, um, which is just wild, right? You can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Um, so we give people the fishing trip experience, except we help people read the waters of life to understand. And we help bring clarity of how am I actually doing in key areas of life and help people then discern and write plans after the trip to say, if the needle needs to move in some areas, uh, how can we write a plan or help people actually move those needles so they grow healthier, whether it's in their faith life, whether it's in their rela relationships, mental, physically, et cetera. Um, I'm also a leadership coach, a life coach, soul care coach. And so our team that we've assembled is really equipped. The trip is part one, and you can do lots of great retreats with people out there, and I encourage you to do that. Um, but if you want to do a great retreat and actually see some life change or positive stuff come in life, like this is where we really enter the market and what we do. Uh, and we want to hang with people for the next six months, the next year after the retreat, just helping them live into those things that they discern and we help them plan. So that's that's what Alter does. We have the Christian faith angle on things, but it's I'd say it's... Um, I don't know if bigger than that is the right word. It's uh, it's really a chance to let the RPMs come down, assess life, and start moving towards flourishing and thriving in the most important areas of life. And then seeing how that how the ripples of your life, your influence flow then into your families, your workplace, et cetera. So that's, that's what we do. Um, uh, where did it all start? I dropped my son off at his volleyball practice. So I would always go to this little kind of dive bar pub, hide in the corner, I'd pull up my laptop. And usually, you know, I was on staff at the church at this time. Um, so I would do work, return emails. And um, I just heard God say, pull out your laptop and start typing. And six pages later, what would become alter fly fishing just kind of flowed out of that experience and i was like wow that's that would be pretty awesome <laughs> i didn't know what to do with it i called a couple friends who i trusted and just kind of vomited these six pages on them and then it was crazy like relationships connections over the next month just happened rapidly um and i connect with jason randall and some of your listeners may know uh he's like one of the gurus in the euro technique tight line technique um he lives near me, which is wild because no trout guru lives anywhere near Chicago. <laughs> um, and uh, he said, Eric, you need to do a, you need to do one of these trips and I'm going to help you. This was like literally just weeks after I wrote out these these pages. I said, Jason, I said, he goes, send me some brochures. I'm speaking at all these clubs, you know, do a trip. I'll help you fill it. I said, Jason, I don't have brochures. I said, I have an idea. I was going to spend the next six months or a year doing the market research, like to be responsible, like maybe this is already happening all over the place. And, 
I joined someone else or he goes, I will save you a year. No one is doing what you're doing at the depth and level you're talking about. He goes, you need to do a trip and I'm going to help you do it. So send me some brochures. And I'm like, uh, yeah, there's still the problem. I, he goes, well, send me something. So I like literally just created, you know, I didn't have a, I mean, I didn't have anything, no logo. I just like put some things on. And so we did a trip five months later and that was the birth of Alter, and from that point, we're a nonprofit organization. So we, you know, we worked on our five hundred one c three. Got that five years ago, and and it just started exploding to the point where I left staff at the church that I was with um, uh, a year ago, January, and doing Alter full time. And we're doing fourteen uh, trips slash retreats this year, and starting to plan twenty four and twenty five um, because we have you know, a lot of people, a variety of groups interested in doing more stuff with us. So I wanted to take a second and ask, I know you have one follow-up question. You've got 14 trips this year. Mm -hmm. um, I know you can go on your website, which we're going to make sure everybody sees that in our show notes and talk about it here in a minute or to find them. But uh, it sounds like you're also doing some things for maybe if an entire, I don't know, like it sounds like you're maybe an entire staff or somebody wants to do a trip just for people that maybe they already know, or do you, or some of your trips, like, you know, I bring, like I come as a leader and somebody from, you know, Texas comes a leader and it's like a mix of people or do you do some groups? Uh, a combination. So what's been surprising, I didn't anticipate, but we have more and more, we're just calling them private trips where uh, we've got, I, you know, one of my friends say, Hey, I want to pull 10 of my buddies together and do a trip. Can we just book a whole week? Or we're working now with some church denominations. We've got CEOs of companies saying, Hey, I want to bring my board or my executive leadership. Um, and so we're doing a variety of things. And so probably 75% are people saying like, Hey, we've got a group that we want to bring uh, some men's groups from churches and and so forth, but we always want to have a handful of trips that are just totally open that anyone can come. Because actually, I've got I've got friends and people here in Chicago to say, "Hey, we want to do a trip," and I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I don't." We've got two slots on this date and three <laughs> slots on that date, but hey, 24, 20, 2024, 20, 2025, we can like slide you in. So I didn't anticipate that, but it's uh, uh, I guess that's a good problem to have if sure. you're you know, wanting to fill trips. Um, so tell us a little bit what takes place on these trips. Yeah. So typically we kick things off. It's a Wednesday to Sunday. So we kick things off Wednesday night with the sup with a dinner. And so usually three to five people show up and uh, it's funny. People say, so are we camping? And I'm like, you know, I just turned 50 and I'm having aches <laughs> and pains everywhere. No, we're not camping. We stay in, Nice places. Um, one of my good friends, he's a high-end chef, just retired, and he's now our altar chef. He's donating all of his time. So we bring a chef in. Like We eat well. We rest well. So we kick things off with dinner, kind of get the lay of the land. And so we, we want to help people, one, read the waters of life. That's always a part of every retreat. And then we pick a theme or some other teaching and reflection topics for um, our retreats. So last year we focused on resilience. How do you build a resilient life? Um, resilience is something you have to draw upon when you need it. Are you living the kind of life that's actually filling that bucket? So when you need it, it's there. So what are the tips, the tools to do that? Um, this year we're talking about rhythm and the rhythm of life. 
and uh, what's the relationship between work and rest. And we've got some creative ideas that um, might blow people's mind to say like, wow, I never thought of it like that before. Um, but this is a hot topic, just not in in the Christian world. They would say like Sabbath, right? Like you should stop for a day. But uh, you look at the different sciences, especially psychology, and, and there's some books and articles coming out. They're saying like, hey, do you know what? People need to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, once a week or every now and then. And I'm like, well, yeah, we've known that forever. We yeah, just, we, we aren't doing it. Yeah, exactly. So, that's good. So we're going to, that's our focus for this year. And so we want to help people live in life-giving rhythms for them and their families. So that'll be the focus. And, um, you know, we've got ideas for, you know, future years. Um, um, yeah. So, so then that's, that's when, so we kind of get the lay of the land Wednesday night. And then Thursday we wake up, have a good breakfast a little teaching time, but we always give people personal reflection time because there's something about being in the mountains, being away, the RPMs come down. So we don't want to miss the opportunity for people to just have some time to think, pray if they want, reflect, but start putting, you know, the pen to paper and, and working some things out in their life. Um, and then by 10, 1030, like it's like, hey, make sure you've got your gear. We're fishing for the rest of the day. We come back. Um, have some appetizers, let everyone clean up a good dinner. And then we do a recap on the day, everything from what we learn, reflected on stories from the stream, which are always entertaining. Always. Um, um, But it's amazing, like what people bring, you know, around the huddle. And it's a, you know, I I just love creating environments that are safe where people can share and have a good time and relax. And so I think that's one of the things we do really well is just create those kinds of environments. And so, we jump in and we kind of hit repeat Thursday, Friday, Saturday, kind of with that same thing, kind of on a journey moving towards and then by Saturday night, <clears throat> people have really come to some clarity points uh, for themselves and their own life and families or work or whatever, whatever it may be on what could or should be next. And that's where we say, OK, so let's actually think about what are those waypoints? How do we help you go from where you're at to where you desire to be? Um, and so our team, you know, walks along side people and we have a heart for pastors, probably 40 and, and next year, maybe even 50% of what we do is working with, when I say pastors, people in vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. So, um, staff or nonprofits, um, um, but we, we don't make it too optional. We're going to journey with you because we believe your influence and the space you're in matters hugely to people. Um, and 1,200 to 1,500 pastors uh, a month are exiting the ministry, not just their churches, the ministry. So I don't think we want to wake up and see a churchless America. That's not going to be good for anybody. So we're committed to changing the story and statistics of pastors in America. And uh, what's fun is we actually now have the data coming back that uh, I think we're doing that. So that's that's another big focus. So yeah, Sunday morning, we end with another good breakfast and you know, some last final words, but people are driving back home, heading to the airport to fly home. So, and then Monday morning's waiting for you. I love it. Well, I I think first of all, I just want to speak to the fact, I think it's incredible what you're doing. I love your heart for pastors. I too feel the same way um, being in ministry and seeing that all too uh, frequently of uh, the burnout, especially that's taken place over the last two or three years and the amount of, um, people just leaving the ministry because of all kinds of different reasons. And a lot of it being because they wore themselves out. Um, they ran themselves too hard 
And, uh, and then when the world kind of came collapsing down, it made things 10 times worse. Um, and so I really appreciate what you guys are doing. And I uh, just want to thank you for that. I also want to thank you for the fact that you're doing retreats that also provide that follow-up. I think that is insanely important because um, I think a lot of times we go, I mean, I've had the opportunity to go on a few retreats similar to what you guys do. One fly fishing, one not fly fishing related. Um, and, uh, you know, you have these mountaintop experiences, but then you come home and like you just said, Monday's waiting on you. And, uh, sure. And it's almost like sometimes when you come back from these things, that Monday is always the worst Monday because it just uh, it's it seems like everything's just waiting on you to get back. So I think it's incredible what you guys are doing to be able to take the time to uh, follow up with these people that are on your retreat. You're not just providing a cool experience; you're actually trying to trying to influence life change, and I think that's really important. Yeah, you know, and and you know, you watch how quickly relationships bonds form around the people that are fishing together. So this year, for the first time, we're going to have a six to eight week kind of group experience we're going to keep the group together oh, and cool. say like here's part two to the retreat cool. right so it'll be more applicational of how do you actually get some of these rhythms working in your life and so i think people appreciate one staying together for a little longer because yeah. they just started these relationships but it'll also help forge hopefully some of the the stuff that they desire to stick it'll actually stick I wanted to ask one question. So I got on your website. You can see all your trips there, um, as everybody can do. But let's just take an example trip, like the driftless, mm-hmm. the driftless men trip in September. Um, mm-hmm. About do you limit that to a number of spots? Is there a certain because you like to keep those groups to somewhat, you know, a certain number kind of help for what you're talking about with the continuity, the community of the weekend or the the week. Yeah, it really depends on the location of where we're at. If we have a bigger group, we'll probably break it into smaller groups for discussion time so it's a combination of large group small group but most places it's you know eight to twelve is the the right size and that's the same way in the driftless um area as well um sometimes we 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 partner with some of the other lodges and outfitters that are at these fly fishing shows we have relationships there sometimes we're using the vrbos and you know grouping stuff together we always have a base camp house or place and then you know, we'll sleep people. And and sometimes we have people that say, Hey, I've got a cabin that sleeps X and, you know, we just want to donate it, uh, which is huge for us because that helps us bring the cost down. We want this to be accessible to people. Uh, so it's always, it just it really matters, matters where we're at um, and kind of the situation. It's really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. So I want to ask you, Eric, why do you think, these retreats because you could do you could do retreats like this based on a lot of different things you know Mm -hmm. um you could all kinds of different hobbies all kinds of different things why do you think fly fishing is so beneficial to these types of retreats yeah that's a good question so i i'll I'll answer that in a couple different ways uh one fly fishing at least for me and and you guys will probably resonate. It's a different kind of experience because you're so connected into what's happening. If you're waiting, like you're in the stream, you feel the cool water, like you can feel it pushing against you. You're casting a fly rod. Um, You've got usually this, we say trout live in beautiful places, Mm -hmm. right? So you have, you're just in these majestic settings and you're so connected into what's happening um it just i think it transports people to a different place 
if you want to put the theological spin on it, Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God, like creation or nature speaks like it has an impact on us. And there's, you can dig into science. Like they're talking about positive ions that come out of rushing water and other like, so it's like, I just say like, yeah, it works when you get people in those environments. Um, something different happens. Like you have access to different parts of people's lives. They have different, they have access to different parts of their life. You know, people say like, well, my church is in the river. Well, why is that? Because there's this serenity, there's this peace, there's something else happening with people. So uh, one, I just love the sport and I love catching fish, big fish, the uncatchable fish, like I'll catch them all. Like I just love it. But when I zoom out, I'm like, wow, I'm like, I'm different when I'm in the stream or come out of the stream. And so to bring that piece with intentionality on the things that we most desire and want that we want in life, that some of the pain points of life, um, when you bring those things together, like it has the opportunity to bring some powerful clarity mm-hmm. to people. And so they get the, they get the experience, the adventure, all of that. And they also get some real takeaways or meaningful stuff like i i don't know of a better kind of partnership between what we do and and fly fishing coming together that's why we say we're about merging faith and fly fishing into a common stream so i love that and uh yeah i mean i I couldn't agree with you more for those reasons of why fly fishing is so uh impactful and why it could be used for something like this it's reflective in nature um it, it gives us opportunities when we're sitting out in nature like you just said, to experience God in a very special way. And I think it allows for us to also slow our minds down a little bit and actually take some time to think about the things that really do matter. And so uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing. I, I can't say enough about it. I love it. We wanted to uh, we wanted to ask, and just before we, uh, we're going to talk some more about you personally and uh, being, a, being a man of faith and a, and a father in the second half of the episode, but if people may want to be involved, I know we talked about this when we had dinner that night um, in Virginia, so I know you may still have some spots open for this year's trips, yep. but, and those can be found on your website, but maybe you want to be involved another way. There's also a way to do that as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we always, we talk about, you have the big three, you have food, lodging, and guiding. And so I would say that the biggest opportunities or needs we have are people that, I mean, we probably had six different people at the Denver show say, hey, I'm a guide. Here's where I live. If you're doing anything in our area, let me know. I would love to come volunteer or help. So that helps one. It helps us offset costs and it involves people in what we're doing. Um, If people have property, cabins, houses or something that they want to donate or use for the ministry or what we're doing, um, that's another huge thing. Um, And then you just have you know, it could be food help. It could just be helping, uh, or boots on the ground. Like we, we hope to go to some new places, but we don't always know the ins and outs of those places. People that will kind of be our chaperones or our go-to people to say, okay, if we're going to bring a trip here, so where are we going to get groceries? Where are we going to, you know, like they can run, they can help us, um, do that. So I just say, if you have a heart for, uh, this kind of, ministry this kind of these kind of trips and you've got energy just reach out on our website and uh you know kind of let us know your interest and we keep we track all of this stuff so we you know by area by 
types of volunteering that people want to do. And I mean, it's a great joy to make that phone call or send that email to say, Hey, we're, we're coming, we're coming to you. If you still want to help and just, I mean, it's just people get so excited and, and that's part of it too. When you bring that kind of enthusiasm into a trip, like people just authentically love to serve and volunteer, like that has an impact. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people were marked by um, what we love to do is just love and serve people. So we don't let people wash a dish. Like we bring the food to them. We take their plates, um, especially pastors who are usually the ones doing this. Like we've had people tear up, like, you know, cause they're just not used to being loved and served in that way. And so that's just our joy to do those kinds of things for people. And, you know, it takes people to, to create that environment and to, sure. to do that. So, well, before we take a break, I want to ask you this, if you can, is there a story that just stands out to you from one of the altar experiences? Um, you know, obviously can't share any names and stuff like that, but if you were to share one story from one of your treats, which one would you share? Golly, just one. Um, <laughs> if you can narrow it down. So we had, uh, this was on one of our pastor trips and we theme everything around the soul. We say the soul of a man, the soul of a woman, the soul of a leader, the soul of a pastor. So we just think if you don't get the center right and um, thriving and growing, nothing else is going to work around it. Um, but this was one of our pastor trips and we had big Nate and little Nate because <clears throat> um, they were both named Nate. And one guy was like six, six and the other one was like five foot something. So it, it was very easy um but big nate um did not look well when he arrived on wednesday he put his stuff in his room some of the other participants came to me and just said we think something's wrong with this guy like we don't know if he has covid or what like we're not sure we want to sleep with him he looks sick it's like you need to do something and i'm like uh okay so i pulled big nate out on this great porch at this uh hunting cabin that a guy donated for us to use it sleeps like 14 uh, but he has this amazing porch and I just was talking to him and, and big Nate was fine. Like he was so fatigued, burned out, worn out from life, from family, all kinds of stuff going on in his church as a leader. He was stressed out. Like he was, he looked like he was just not in a good place. Um, I said, okay, so let's go eat dinner. And over the next few days, we have this picture of Big Nate kind of in a group, but he's holding this fish. I mean, his smile was touching each of his ears. Like it was so big and like life had come back in his eyes and all of these, everyone on the trip, you know, and, and this is what so many of these pastors talked about. They said, we just experienced resurrection. Like this guy was dead mm -hmm. and now he's alive again. Uh, and it marked them. <clears throat> and uh, and what Nate said was, because you know what? I found hope. Because he was thinking, I got to leave ministry or the church, and I I hate to do that. I love it. But if I leave, I can be happy. If I stay in, I'll be miserable for the rest of my life. And I was like, whoa, like there's a whole lot of room in between there. But it starts with, are you okay? Like, let's get you healthy. And uh, and so he's he's doing well. And, you know, but it was just, it, and it's funny, it's just, you're talking four or five days, yeah. the transformation that happens. And you know, there's no magic wand we wave, but I think it's the combination of what we do on the fishing side, some intentional conversation, giving people space just mm -hmm. to do business with themselves or with God. Um, it, all of that together, it just works. And and so we just, we have many stories like that, but to see 
to have that conversation to see his face how he looked and then how he ended the retreat like we all we all can just see that like crystal it's amazing that's special too cool what a cool story um Mm -hmm. i think we're gonna take a little break and uh we're gonna come back and let uh eric tell us all about uh his life as a father and uh i'm sure give him a chance to brag about his kids and then also maybe talk about some cool adventures with them in the outdoors and on the water so uh, we'll be right back dads on the flies brought to you by catch cam nets catch cam nets where you can build your own net it's your net so you choose every feature check them out online at catchcamnets.com We're back with Mr. Eric Camfield from Alter Fly Fishing. And Eric, we appreciate you taking the time tonight. We wanted to take this second half of our show to let you speak a little bit to, you know, you spoke about your journey from professional athletics into the ministry and now into uh, the founder of Alter Fly Fishing. And how has that been as a father um, showing your two children, you know, that journey and also them kind of experiencing that journey with you um, through ministry and hopefully getting them out outside and doing some of this stuff you're talking about with the healing from, from the outside and the water. Yeah. The fact that, um, I made this transition when they were late high school or just in college. Um, uh, they got to watch it more through young adult mm-hmm. eyes. Sure, yeah. Um, and so one of the things I think we've tried to build as a family, like we are just each other's biggest fans and champions. And so to watch them, their encouragement, um, you know, we get, we'll get a new donor, you know, with the ministry. And I just texted my daughter at lunch with a guy today and he's going to support us. And she's like, dad, that's awesome. Like way to go. And I'm like, man, it makes you feel good. Like when your daughter's like, oh, yeah, sure. um, <clears throat> so yeah, so it's, I, I think it's, you know, cause it was funny when, when we started Alter, I thought it would just be this little side thing because I love the fish, I love the outdoors, and I love gathering around men, getting people away. And I was like, "Wow, this is great! Like I can cash in a couple of vacation days or a couple of weeks each year and just do these Alter trips." Um, and then it started to grow, and I was like, "Man, I've got a problem!" <laughs> right? And then I was like, "I think I need to maybe step into this full time." And that's when I got my wife's attention. She goes, wait, you're doing what? She goes, you know, we have two kids in college. And I said, what a great opportunity for the Lord to provide. She goes, I hope you're relying on more than that. (laughs) I was like, well, you know, she's on staff with our church. So she's an amazing leader herself. And, um, um, but I believe like it was scary, you know, and as a pastor, like I, I really enjoy preaching on faith. I love for the two of you guys to step out in faith. But then when you do it for yourself, you're like, man, this is hard. Yeah. And you trust and it's not easy. And, um, but I would just say we've been taken care of every step of the way and whether it's people or provision or the things we need for alters um, organization as it grows, like it's just been provided every step of the way. So I have confidence, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Mm. Um, and it stretches you and, you know, I'd probably, if I had to admit, it's like I'd like to be comfortable more than I like being stretched. But when you're stretched, that's where the good stuff is. So, um, yeah, so it's been, I hope it's an example to my kids, you know, because, you know, one of the things we know about kids, they're going to catch a lot more than what they hear yes, yeah. from us. Um, 
And so, you know, you try your best to model, but, you know, they're watching all of it. We interview every day. Um, but I think this has been a good story for my kids to say, this is what it looks like when you're passionate about something, when you, when you feel you're being called or led to it and to be courageous enough to step out and to trust. Um, I hope that puts something in them that they'll carry, carry forward. For sure. Well, and you don't, you don't build that just when they get college age. I mean, that starts when they're young, uh, being able to have those, like you were saying, they, they catch a lot more than they hear. Um, I mm-hmm. love that. I think that's a good reminder and a good, it's a good dad tip of the week. That's I, what I was think. just thinking a little so, dad tip little of the week thrown the week in right there. there. They, they catch a lot more than they hear. That's really good. On the water too. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> catch, sometimes we catch a lot more yeah. tips from our yeah. watching. And I know there's yeah, dad jokes sure. on this podcast too. Yeah, oh yeah. True. We got a few. No, but I mean, sleeve. think about it on the water. You, no, I agree, you do learn sometimes a lot more from, you know, our recent guest talked about, learning from watching someone mm-hmm. fly fish, not so much yeah. being instructed. So it's, yeah. a, it's a great, and I, sometimes our kids can do the same thing. Absolutely. Um, so you guys obviously have, have a pretty great family dynamic. Um, that, like I said, that doesn't just happen when you're taking a big step in faith. It's probably something you guys have built over time. Um, mm-hmm. Has, has fly fishing been a part of their life at all? Have you had opportunities to get them on the water? Is it, or has it kind of been more just your thing? Uh, a combination. I would say they're not diehard anglers, but um, if I invite them, they would go. Yeah. You know, it's tough when you don't do it all the time. Oh, you yeah. know, you got to tie the knots, right? I mean, there's yeah. a lot, lot to it. But I remember they were uh, maybe middle school, early high school, and and we would do these adventures. Usually, like when my wife has something going on, like it's a dad adventure, and then she's like, "Why are you doing these adventures without me?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. You're busy, and then." got to do something with the kids and so but we would go to the driftless region like we would camp and and it's funny listening to kids tell these stories so you know we had this kind of a three four man tent and they brought their sleeping bags and i didn't tell them like i brought an air mattress and so this air mattress was actually bigger than i thought so it filled up like two-thirds the tent so i'm on the air mattress and they're like squished against the side of the tent sleeping in their sleeping bags and my wife is like she goes you're a horrible dad like i was like they loved it you know (laughs) they probably did so we just have these stories but um you know it's funny like i was watching my son who just was doing everything like he was executing everything so well by the book and he just was not catching anything and my daughter and uh, they're two very different my son has he's a little more sensitive kind of tunes in the people caring my daughter is like i will take you down get out of my way kind of that leader type yeah, talk to you after oh. the show please about how to handle those two personalities that is exactly <laughs> my two children uh, yeah uh wait until they're 19 and 20. (laughs) (laughs) So they both turned out awesome. But, you know, my daughter, like, I don't even think she's getting a bite. Like she's got, she probably bumps a rock or hits a piece of moss and she's got this violent hook set. And I know she's snagging a fish that's like 10 feet away on the other side of the stream. Right. She's like, I got another one, Clay. You know, so he's getting none. Like she's rubbing it in, you know, and, uh, but I always tell him, I said, Hey, you can set the rod down at any point because there's a lot more going on than just fishing. Like you're, you're in a beautiful place. And if you want to read, read, if you want to listen to the water, you know, whatever you want to do. So we, we have fun. It's definitely a bonding time. And I think that's, you know, again, it's getting away, right away from the distractions. And you just got this one-on-one time. That's, it's just in a different space, whether conversations are happening or not, like it's just quality time that that's what kids talk about you know, years later. 
sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we think about our own experiences with our own dad. Um, and I think about experiences now with my own kids. You know, they're not talking about the stuff we've got them or anything like that. They're way more excited about the my, – my oldest son, Reed, he's six right now. And he told me the other day when he turns 12, he wants to go on an airplane with dad and go fly fishing. So, like, I'm pretty stoked about that. I'm like, I already told my that's wife. A, I was that's like, an that's, easy yes. That's happened. <laughs> we're, we're saving for that trip already. I mean, when he's 12. So, you're using your kid to get some more fly fishing. I, I I'm not – that's one way well, to look at it, but about uh, it. maybe my wife won't listen to this episode. Dad's, so. on the, dad's on the fly has led to, hey, we got to take the kids fishing so we yeah, have some exactly. things to talk about exactly. on the show. Yeah. Um, mm. you know, we got to kind of hang out with Eric and so we can have some people to talk to. It yeah. just leads us into more things. But I, sure. I think you're right, Eric. You know, the, that time on the water, it really is just, it's priceless. I mean, we can't really put a price on that. Um, and I feel like you probably had to be pretty intentional. I mean, I don't think Chicago is really known for their fly fishing water. So I'm sure like to, to do that with your family, you had to be pretty intentional about trying to pursue time outside with your kids. Yeah. There's some decent smallmouth around here, but I mean, we're actually positioned well, cause you've got at least from where I'm at um, in the Western suburbs, about four hours and you're in the heart of the driftless region, which is one of the nation's best trout right. fisheries. That's, I don't know if it's fortunately or unfortunately starting to get noticed and popular, but it's amazing. But then you got, you go the other way, four or five hours and you're into Michigan. So you got that, but you do neither one of those on the way home from work. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> so so you, you do have to be intentional and it, it causes some time away. But for me, that's been good. Like I'm a person that has to unplug or like, I just need some space and time, not an hour, but a day or two days is really good for me. So it's been you know, I'm not bagging Chicago, but as often as I can get out of here, you're out. <laughs> fish and get in nature is a good thing for me. You, you mentioned uh, those stories, and Caleb said something that just made me. I think you could probably echo. You know, through those stories of sleeping on an air mattress or in the corner of a tent, and with somebody catching fish, somebody not. You know, sometimes we we forget. Sometimes the fish stories don't ever have a lot to do with some big fish or some. Well, it's. It's those little things that kids remember, like what you're saying. Like, remember that time? And they'll tell that story forever. You know, oh, remember when dad slept on the cup? You know, and we were stuck. Up. And that's what's so cool um, as we continue in, in what we do at Dads on the Fly, encouraging dads and encouraging each other and learning from folks like you and other people we have on the show. That, it's those memories, man, that just mean so much to, to what you're doing and that legacy that you're leaving um, yeah. time with intentional time with your kids. And so I, I just want to appreciate you saying that and, sure you've got tons of other stories but um how does uh what is the you know as your kids are in a different kind of area of their life i think that's so cool that they're they're your biggest cheerleaders i mean think about that in terms of just building that in a family i think that's a tip i'll take from what you just said my our kids are younger but to build that up as a let's be each other's cheerleaders regardless of what we're doing yeah yeah i remember there's a an equation it's from one of the large churches in uh, America but without of their family ministry but they say you know love over time is a powerful equation mm -hmm. right and so you don't always when we're, we get so into the moment of stuff and maybe it's discipline or there's problems or whatever it is and we can get so sucked in but if you can just zoom out and say consistent love over time. We don't do it perfectly every time, but if we can be consistent just to build safe, loving relationships, keep moving toward each other, yeah. take advantage of the opportunities you have. Um, 
Um, when you when you accumulate that over years and years and years, it does instill something in children that I think is hugely needed today because families are pretty fragmented and go in a lot of different directions and, you know, travel this and everything's elite and um, it's busy and, you know, after school stuff. So um, I think when whenever we have the opportunity just to be present with one another, one of the things we valued is the, the dinner table. And I'm sure my kids are scarred, but I guarantee <laughs> you the dinner table is going to be sacred space. Like yeah. that's just a place where we connect. Food is kind of a bonding thing for our family. I love to cook. And so, you know, there's no phones at the table. There's no screwing around at the table. And, you know, but now that they're older, like we have great conversations. And I'm curious to see if they have kids and families, like what does the table as a centerpiece? But, you know, I, I, I I manipulated my schedule. Like we tried to have dinner uh, more often than not as a family, even, you know, and I had athletic kids and travel everything. And, but we really worked hard to, honor we're going to eat dinner as a family um you know just as at least one place where we knew we would connect and so yeah every family is different but i think you've got to you've got to find a couple stakes that you put in the ground and say this is this is where us becomes us i love that i couldn't agree more with that yeah you you said something reminded me of something i think we had maybe even a guest say this recently or i heard it from somewhere i'm talking about that time over time and how much it matters and I think they said, you know, everybody's always trying to chase like, you know, we need quality time. We need quality time. We need quality time. But actually quality, quality time with your kids only takes place after a quantity has been built up. Mm-hmm. Like it, it takes time over time, over time, over time to actually, yep. actually get into that quality time. Um, and I think, I think that's a good reminder. And I love your statement about planting some stakes in the ground and deciding, hey, this is going to be, this is going to be us. This is what we're going to experience do you think your experience raising your kids and being intentional like that has uh helped lead you to being the founder of altar like seeing the importance of that like being outside what that meant to your kids um Mm -hmm. did that help you uh in your own in your own faith journey um Mm -hmm. lead you towards want to point other people to that is that kind of maybe how alter kind of comes back full circle into this whole thing yeah i think i think perhaps with my kids like we've always um my wife grew up on 300 acres in western pennsylvania so it's Mm. just called the farm so we love on vacations we love to hike although we've learned there's four of us in our family we all would vacation very differently like this was the eureka moment with a you know you have a 19 20 21 year old and mom and dad like having honest conversations you know my daughter wants to be at the beach my wife wants to hike and do adventures like i just want to chill because i'm usually just (laughs) i need to just decompress and my son is like i don't want to go on vacation with any of you i'd rather just like stay at home and play my (laughs) so so uh you know it's funny like just that realization but um yeah but you know it was I've just watched over the years, whenever you get people away, whether it's your family, whether it's, you know, I've done a lot of that in ministry over the years, but I mean, it could just be guys or dudes like going away and doing like different kinds of bonds happen. Like it's just good for relationships. And and I just think, like I said, there's something powerful about creation and nature when you bring that element in, um, especially 
I'd say over the last 10 or 15 or 20 years, you know, just that the pace of life has increased, uh, you know, how technology has wrapped itself around us. Like we have to intentionally find space where we aren't engaged, you know, that we can, you know, it's funny. I, I remember, and I hope this isn't too churchy, but like I was, you know, we, we were at a fairly large church here in Chicago where I pastor, but the, so every now and then the server would go down. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now the email doesn't work mm -hmm. and like everyone's looking at each other's like, what do we do? And I'm like, what if we actually like picked up the phone, called somebody and like met someone at a coffee shop? Like, what if we were actually were with people? We actually pastored, right? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. You know, and I was like, and you don't realize it until all of a sudden, like that rhythm frustrates itself. It's like, oh, wait, maybe there's some good things or even better things that sometimes we don't always get to because we're doing other stuff. So anyway. I love the longer pauses. I love getting people away. Um, and I've just seen the impact that's had on them when we do that. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm I'm currently reading uh, John, Eldridge, John Eldridge's book, Resilient. I'm not sure if you're familiar yeah. with it or not. But he talks about that, of how we, we've got to take time to actually – and I think you were speaking to this earlier. Um, we've got to take time to replenish those reserves because uh, yeah. we don't get – there's no warning when those reserves are out. Yeah. Like if we're not constantly replenishing those reserves getting away, getting time, getting along, you know, in our case, getting along with God, um, yeah. that reserve goes out and then we burn out and it's, there's not like a, there's not usually a lot of warning signals. Um, you know, we're kind of, I think he describes it as like, we're a lot like camels in that, like we can, we're resilient to a point and then all of a sudden we're just done. Um, and we yeah. hit that breaking point. And, uh, so I think it's important, like you were saying, to get away, replenish those reserves. It's extremely important. Yeah. So before we uh, wrap this up, Eric, we want to got one more question, but we want to give everybody just an opportunity, and it's pretty simple, alterflyfishing.com, correct? Dot uh, .org. Dot .org, okay. Alterflyfishing.com. A-L-T-A-R, right? right? Like you're going to live your life as an altar, as an altar. sacrifice for the sake of others. Uh, so, yeah, alterflyfishing.org. And alterflyfishing on Instagram. Uh, Alter Fly Fishing Adventures. Okay, Alter Fly Fishing Adventures on Instagram. And uh, you can find about all your trips, all the information on how to donate, like you've talked about, how to be involved in uh, your ministry and the awesome stuff that you guys are doing. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask before we go is, you know, we have a lot of fathers that listen to our show, a lot of uh, guys, and tell them, I think I can already kind of answer it from the episode, but I think it's perfect for a dad to go on one of these trips or it would be a perfect opportunity for, for a dad, maybe who's super busy to get away and, and spend some time recharging. So how do you see it being just a perfect opportunity for them? Um, yes, yeah, so I would say if you're a man or a father, just you getting away to recalibrate, like your life speaks and it leaks, right? So when you're healthy, it makes a difference on the whole family, your marriage, your kids, and especially when you get clarity or focus and you can start moving intentionally in some areas like, you know, the, the, the sociology is power, powerfully speaks to this. When when a shift in dad happens, it impacts exponentially the family. So I'd say it's good for you. And then, you know, we do some father son stuff. There's all kinds of things you can do as fathers and sons or with your daughters. Um, uh, take advantage of some of those times and you have to fight for it. I mean, it's kids are busy, life is busy, but I would say, you know, make the necessary fact sacrifices of time, finances, and maybe missing some games or whatever it is, because you, your kids will never be mad at you at that in the long haul. They're going to, that's what they're going to talk about. And those kinds of memories, 
And again, when you bring intentionality around it, we do some father-son trips. We're going to do another one next year. Um, but just having dads speak into the lives of their sons or their daughters, I mean, that we just don't do that. Most people don't do that on a daily basis. Yeah. But when we create that space, we're sharing an adventure and then just these words of love and encouragement and challenge and all of these good things come like a kid will remember that for the rest of their life and it'll shape them likely what they do as mothers or fathers down the road. So it's uh it doesn't seem like much, but man, it is huge. So I'd say to all the dads out there, do it for yourself and do it with your kids. Love it. Well, Eric, we can't thank you enough. Thanks for taking time out of your day to spend some time with us. You're a dad on the fly. And uh, I know this has been impactful for a lot of dads, hopefully listening. Um, I encourage them to go check out Alter Fly Fishing. Um, and uh, Joshua, anything before we wrap this up? I just appreciate your time, buddy. Yeah, yeah thanks, thank sir. you guys. Love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this conversation with Mr. Eric Camfield of Alter Fly Fishing. And until next time, tight lines. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We hope this episode has inspired and encouraged you as a parent or an angler as we wade through faith, family, and fishing all on the fly. Make sure to check us out at dadsonthefly.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dads on the Fly. Shoot us a message as we always love hearing from you all. If you'd like to check out any Dads on the Fly merchandise, you can find it there as well. And as always, if you can, leave us a rating or review and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time, tight lines. Thank you.